example, uh, Ephesians for Misfits because of our refresh season. And so um, we say every Sunday, but we we regrouped uh, as a community. Uh, we've had 35 people who have committed to making this, this experiment of being Misfits on a Mission work. Um, and so we are asking ourselves throughout this whole series, what does it mean to be Misfits on a Mission? Finding our identity. Like, that is our mission statement, and we like to say that we're misfits, but what does that look like? And so we're looking through the book of Ephesians for answers for that. Um, because Ephesians uh, is one of these really cool books that is more of like a 10,000 foot view of what the local church could look like. Because so many of, other, of Paul's other letters are specific to that congregation and the issues that are going on in that congregation, but Ephesians is helpful for us as a church that's thinking about what is our next steps, how do we look like Jesus, how do we be on mission, because it kind of covers sort of the fundamental basic things of what it means to be a church. And so that is why this series is called uh, Radical, which is spelled not the way we normally think of Radical, but spelled that way, Radical. It's a term from botany that talks about the, or points to the primary root of a plant. And so we were asking ourselves as a church plant, what is our primary? What is essential to us? Um, it's also, Ephesians is also the book that is sort of like our misfit manifesto because it's where we find our uh, seed verse, which is to be rooted and established in love. And so that is why we are looking at the book of Ephesians this series. And so last week, Emily taught us from the first half of chapter 4 where Paul talks about uh, being united in Christ. And so what does that look like for us as people who have different backgrounds and who have different cultural preferences and who have different experiences in the church come together and be united? And why is that important for us to be united? What, what is unique about that expression of the love of God that catches the attention of the world? And so Emily did a great job in pointing us to the beautiful dream that God has that we live in unity together. Well today, I'm going to pick up in verse 11. And we're going to find an answer to a question that I received several times last week when I spoke at the Evolving Faith Conference. Evolving Faith is a, is a conference that's specifically geared towards people who are uh, deconstructing and reconstructing their faith. So they're asking all these questions about, you know, what is it about my faith that I received when I was a kid that's not working for me right now? How do I let it go? What other things can I add in? And as people are asking that question, one thing that they kind of wrestle with as they're reconstructing is where does the local church fit into their, their life? Like, they ask this question to me so many times. With the advent of really good podcasts where we can follow a church who's teaching me life, even this church that we attend. And with the diverse connection that we can get on social media, like in Facebook groups, what is the purpose of attending a local church? So if I can get really good teaching and get inspiration from someplace else while I'm doing my dishes, and I can feel inspired by people who are different than me, do I really need to show up for a community of people on a Sunday morning? And if I do need to show up for a community of people from Sunday morning, what is it about that time together that's so different, that makes me into a better person, that transforms me from the inside out? Well, I had a lot of answers for people. One of those things, one of the, that's one of those questions where I really want to sit and learn people's stories before I give them just a blanket answer. Because I'm from a I'm from a tradition that just gives you a blanket answer and says you just have to deal with it. Don't don't ask questions, don't push back, just deal with it. But one one thing that I said to so many people that resonated with that that points to why this gathering together matters. 
is that the church is Jesus' laboratory of love. It's a place where, yes, we can take all those great teachings and that great theology that we're learning. We can take it and work it out and grow relationships. It's a place where we're forced to get to know people who are different than us and hear their stories and see their humanity and honor the image of God in them and say, wow, you are loved by God the same way I am loved by God. We work on our relationships in this laboratory of love. And this, uh, this title of the sermon came from one of my favorite movies, like the all-time best movie uh, of 2018, Black Panther. <laughs> because we're, as we're going <laughs> to see, that there's something really special that happens in the laboratory that, that connects uh, Shuri and Black Panther. That, that, that's one way that we, that's something really cool that happens here at Roots as a laboratory of love that connects us to the mission of God. And so uh, we're going to look at our passage. I'm going to pull one common misconception from that passage. I'm going to give us one inspiring or encouraging promise. And then we're going to look at our benediction that we sing every Sunday, Peace of God with Fresh Eyes. But before I do that, we join you in prayer. Jesus, we love you. And we want to be, um, we want to experiment in this laboratory of love with you. We want to work out the good things that we're learning about you in relationship with each other. And Lord, we want to know our brothers and sisters more deeply and get to connect to them wholeheartedly. And so, Lord, I just ask that whatever words I say to your words, I ask that um, that your spirit be with us. Um, I ask that you laugh alongside with us and that you celebrate Black Panther with us because it is real and good. And um, we thank you, Jesus, for this time. In your name, amen. Okay, so our passage today is found in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. So I'm going to read that, then I'm going to jump to verse 16. So it should be here on the slides. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing to maturity with the stature measured by Christ's fullness. Now we're going to jump down to verse 16. Verse 16 says, From him the whole body, fitted and knit together by supporting, by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. Now, I come from a tradition. If you, Tyson, will you throw up the first part of the verse? I come from a tradition that whenever we, whenever we approach a passage like this, one of these passages that clearly calls out certain roles or people in the church, apostles or prophets or evangelists or pastors or teachers, whenever I come across a, I come from a tradition, wherever we come across a passage like that, that we, uh, the, 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 the preacher would get up and say, there are some people who are specifically called to do the work of the church, so pray and ask God that you can be one of these people. That this somehow is the goal for all, every believer is to somehow work themselves into one of these roles in the church. And see, the problem with that teaching is that it sets up an us and them dichotomy. There's the paid professional people who somehow have all these amazing gifts to do all the good work of the kingdom, and then there's the rest of us. Who kind of like, you know, go get drinks at Starbucks and, you know, mop our floors and deal with our kids. But, you know, we don't have that gift of evangelism, so where do we fit into God's economy? Um, because of this, I believe so deeply that if I was going to be called into ministry, um, that I had to either somehow 
really work my way into one of these gifts, which I do have one of these gifts, but because I had so much anxiety about it, I couldn't, I couldn't operate out of, a, out of a place of health and joy and intimacy with God. I was trying to work myself into that to please God. Or, which partly because I'm from the South, I had to connect myself to a man who had one of these really cool giftings. Because then if I was married to him, then I kind of just like slipped in through the back door. <laughs> And so when I am at TC, and I was a part of it, I was like in that season of just really like looking for like a, a, a pastor to marry. And so that was one of the very first questions I asked TC, like, are you going to be a pastor? And he said, no. And I was like, you're cute, but you're not one of these. So we're going to But eventually, we, the more we talked and the more that we got to know each other, he was really good about calling out different gifts and, and, and looking at me and saying, I see the potential of God in your life. And so we got married, even though initially he said he didn't want to be a pastor. We got married, and, we moved, and he decided that he wanted to go to seminary. And so we were in seminary. And here was another one of these moments where I was keenly feeling the problem of Ephesians 4, 11. Because he was going and doing the good work of learning theology. He was staying up late with friends and smoking cigars and talking about Bonhoeffer and talking about old like concepts that I don't even know how to say. And I'm at home like wiping butts. So <laughs> I so deeply felt like I didn't fit into this and that I couldn't be somebody that lived out the mission of Jesus because I wasn't an apostle or a prophet or an evangelist. I wasn't learning to be a pastor and I wasn't teaching anybody except my three-year-olds with veggie tales. And so I had to work through a lot of this insecurity that Ephesians 4.11 brought onto me. And one, one kind of freeing moment for me was I looked at myself and said, I am a mom, and I deeply know the pain that, that comes with being a mom. Uh, there was this joke around women whose husbands were in seminary who were seminary widows, because we never saw our husbands. And so I knew that I felt alone so much of the time. And so I said, well, how can I help somebody else feel less alone? How can I enter into a space with another mom and help her know that she's seen and she's loved and maybe take some of the weight of motherhood off of her? And so I made a commitment that while TC was in seminary, every month I would pray, like the first month I would say, God, I want to serve a single mom this month. And I'm just going to trust you to bring the right single mom to my life. And every month, there was a woman who was working on her degree, and so she needed some help after school. Or there was a woman through a program that I was a part of who needed some help, and so I would bring diapers or take care of her kids. Or there was just another mom who wanted somebody to have a play date with. But every month, God provided a woman for me to actively love and care for. I became this kind of minister. I became this person that lived out the mission of Jesus, and I didn't have any one of these titles attached to it. Until uh, several years later, uh, Facebook reminded me of the birthday of one of the kids who I babysat. And I posted underneath, like, oh my gosh, she's so adorable. And the mom wrote back to me and she said, I wasn't in church that season because I was so busy. And honestly, as a single mom, I felt left out from the church. But you became my pastor and taking care of my kids. And so a common misconception that we have is that we have no on-ramp into living out the mission of Jesus because we don't fit into one of these categories. But as we go on, if you look and see that Jesus has equipped us to do the work of the ministry through these people, and this is where Black Panther comes in. <laughs> so I want you to think of these people, the evangelists, the, pre the pastors, the teachers, 
I want you to think of those kind of categories as like Sherry. And I want you to think of the church as Black Panther. Because see, what happens in Sherry's lab is that she uses all of her passion and all of her gifts and all of her knowledge. In fact, she was more brilliant than Tony Stark. She had way better toys and <laughs> So she used her laboratory to figure out all the things that Black Panther needs to be successful when he goes out on a mission. Does he need me to be able to uh, sit in a car remotely and guide him so that he can be fully himself in his suit when he's chasing the bad guys? She's got that. Do you, does he need a suit that, that can take in kinetic energy and then repel it? He's got that. <laughs> she figured out all these things that Black Panther needed so that when he goes out there, he can be successful. Good <laughs> job. Also, she loved him dearly because he was his brother. He was her brother. And that's something that we have here in the church. We love each other. We're connected to each other as siblings. So Black Panther, T'Challa, when he becomes Black Panther, he goes out and he's able to fully do the work of being Black Panther because of this relationship that he has with his church. Well, that is what this passage is actually teaching, was that Jesus gave your pastors or the evangelists or the teachers or the apostles, he gave them to the church so that they can equip them with everything they need to get out there and actually do the work of the kingdom. To get out actually there and to be misfits on a mission. Shuri doesn't work without T'Challa. And T'Challa cannot be Black Panther without Shuri. And so this passage isn't saying, misfits, y'all need to figure out how to work your way into being a teacher, a preacher, apostle, or evangelist. This passage is saying, misfits, Jesus has given you everything you need to minister to each other through the leadership that you have, your pastor and the leadership team. And so that has been really helpful for me to rethink that passage because you know what that means? That means we are all called to live out the mission of Jesus. This, uh, this idea that we are all called, we are all equipped to live out the mission of Jesus is a theological term called the priesthood of the believer. And I really like this quote that, that condenses what priesthood of believer means. So it's from Daniel A. Kent in his book, Perspectives on Church Government. The priesthood of all believers means that in the community of saints, God has constructed his body such that we are all priests to one another. Priesthood of all believers has more to do with the believer's service than with an individual's position or status. We're all believer priests. We all stand equally before God. Such standing does not negate specific giftedness or calling. It rather enhances our giftedness as each one of us individually and collectively does our part to build the body. We are all priests. We are all responsible. Priesthood of the believer is a wholehearted belief that every single per person in the church is uniquely gifted and called to partner with God to do the good works and care for the lonely in our city. Roots exist to be a laboratory of love. Because right now there are people on University Ave who are getting on the bus, who are walking down the street and they're wondering, am I loved? Am I seen? Where do I fit? And it is our calling roots to say, you are loved here, and you fit here, and you will be seen here. A thousand percent, yes, you belong. There are children who attend our local schools right now who are ashamed to go to school tomorrow because their parents don't have a washing machine, so they're closed now. Or they're hungry because they haven't had a meal all weekend, and they're looking forward to that free breakfast. Well, part of our calling as Mr. 
is on a mission is to say we see you and we know we care about your felt need and we want to help bring relief. There are friends who are experiencing homelessness right now who are afraid for their health because guess winter is coming and they don't have all the equipment that we just talked about. And so we're called to clothe them and reject the stigma that says you don't belong here, you don't fit in here by inviting them to share table fellowship with us. And right here in our church there are people who need prayer. There are kids who create connection with adults and want to know their testimony. And there are moms who need to be told that they're doing an amazing job because motherhood will suck out every goodness and hopefulness like that. N.T. Wright says that we are parables of hope. And this has been foundational for me because that's what I want to kind of infuse everything that I do. Hopefulness and renewal. And that's what it means to be on mission in our local church. Sure, we can get something on a podcast. Yeah, awesome, we can post all of our thoughts on Facebook. We don't get to work out our relationship with each other. And we don't get to be on mission together. And that is why we matter. And that is why we are all priests and we're all ministers and we are all responsible to embody the love of Jesus. And I would go so far to say that we can all be like Black Panther. <laughs> so today we have an opportunity to be ministers and praise and truth to each other as members of groups. And so TC and the leadership team is just to come underneath you and to serve you. Now I know that some of you might be thinking, well that doesn't make, I mean that makes sense. I mean we live in such an egalitarian society. So it makes sense to sort of, you know, demolish unhelpful hierarchies. We're doing that in all these other spaces. But why, what is that unique, or how is that uniquely expressed here? Why does it matter that here in this room, your leadership comes underneath you to serve you, to send you out on mission? Well, because of Jesus. Because that's what Jesus did for us. He did not come to serve, to, to be served, but to serve. Jesus did not come to be the first. He came to be the last. Jesus came underneath his disciples and gave them everything they need and said, you're going to go out and do better things than me, greater things than me, because you have the spirit. And so that is the power of this laboratory of love, y'all. We come together to come underneath each other to serve one another. So could you get super skilled in volunteering at someplace else? Yep. And could you grow your ability to advocate at like a local town hall meeting? For sure. And could you drop kick some mom anxiety like at a local play date? Yeah, you totally could. But can you become more like Jesus, our servant king who came underneath his people? Could you become more like Jesus someplace else? Maybe not. And so this gathering is beautiful because scripture says that Jesus is in our midst. Where two or more are gathered, the spirit is here. And that very same spirit that set the world on fire to the disciples is here in every single one of us and is expressed in the way that we minister to each other when we gather here on Sundays and then when we leave this place. I want to go on to the promise that I said that we received in the passage, Matthew verse 16. So verse 16 says, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body through building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual so this is a picture of a body that is wor that's working at its very best. It is knitted together and it's in harmony. Every part supports one another. It is moving forward. This is a picture of wholeness and this is a picture of maturity. And so when, I, when somebody asks, well, why should I be a part of a local church? Why should I serve in a local church? What does it mean to be on mission in a local church? What it means to be on mission is you get to 
grow together with one another. As you're serving one another, you get to learn about their experiences. You get to learn from them the way that they maybe set up the welcoming table or the way that they help the kids or the way that they worship. You learn from them and you're inspired, so it makes you want to grow a little bit more. When the teachers come up here and they share with you God's insight for us, you take it in and then you think, how do I live this out in my life? And then you grow. Your body is becoming a body that's full and working. And as you become a body that's full and working and moving towards mission, this expression of the body of Christ becomes full and working together and we're working on mission. When Matisse um, and I were here for our candidate weekend, and I got to know so many of you, one of the things that I noticed is that this is a community that loves to serve each other. You love each other so well. And I told TC, like, that is the kind of place I want to be and have my children. Because I want my kids to know that the church is a place where we love each other like family. But I also recognize something, that this is a church that is tired. There's a lot of exhaustion. And one of the things that I picked up on was that there's a lot of exhaustion because there's a lot of people doing things that didn't make them come alive. There's a lot of people doing things that didn't fit into their giftings. And so one of the one of the sure activities, one of the things that, that your leadership wants to do is come underneath you and say, where do you come alive? And how can we help you do that here in this expression of the body of Christ? And so that was my prayer, that even if TC didn't get called, that you guys would know how you're uniquely gifted to go out and be misfits on a mission. So, now we're going to look at our end of our service benediction. Because, again, during candidating weekend, uh, we, got, we received an email and somebody said, okay, listen, we love you guys, you're great, and everything, but there is this song that is so precious to our community that we would really love it if you kept it a part of whatever, you know, however, whatever changes you make for roots. However you're envisioning us growing and coming together and becoming this is on a mission, if you could just keep this one song as a part of our liturgy, it means so much to me. And so they sent us the song, and I'm listening to it, and I'm bawling. I'm like, I just want to be there singing that song with them every single week. And I think that this song is important for us. It's important because we have owned this as our end of service benediction. It is what we say that we are going to circle ourselves around before we head out. That is a staple part of our unique expression of the kingdom of God. And as I was looking at the lyrics, I was thinking, this is a perfect picture of what it means to be uh, ministers to one another. But this is a picture of that, that concept of priesthood and believer. And so I'm going to go by, take a few of my favorite lines, and I'm going to talk to you about how it, it empowers us to be ministers together, how it empowers us to be ministers on a mission here on Sunday morning and then out in the world. Okay, so the first line is, let the peace of God guard your heart and let the dreams of God live in us. And when I think of these lines, I think of our teaching today, and I think about how when somebody says to you, you can be a minister, go out and do the work of the kingdom, there is this insecurity that rises up in us. There is this fear that comes because we are not quite 100% sure that we're going to do a good job or that we even know what it looks like for us to serve in that capacity. Or maybe we've been told, you know, you're not so good at that, but even though it became a lot doing it, somebody told us that we didn't, we weren't good. And so we should never do it again, and so we shied away from serving that capacity because of something that somebody said. Maybe sometimes we're a little bit anxious. If I put myself out there, what are people gonna think about me? I'm feeling really vulnerable. 
If I put myself out there and I serve in this capacity, what is that going to take away from another part of my life? Can I really do that? Well, this line, when I think about it, is inviting God's shalom, his peace, his wholeness, his goodness, to enter in and, and surround those fears and anxieties, to quiet those concerns, to give us confidence and joyfulness as we serve one another. Because really, y'all, that is what is so different about the church when we love one another. So we do it out of a place of joyfulness, out of a place of love, out of a place of shalom. And so, what fears do you have? What anxieties come up in you? That as you're singing the song today, that you can ask the peace of God to surround you. And the next line is the dreams of God that live in us. Well, the dream of God that we've said over and over again in this series is that we become a church that looks like Jesus. That so we become a church that is that is so passionate about God's dream for wholeness and restoration and flourishing for every single person that God's dream is that we get to partner along with Him and be a part of creating that in unique and cool ways. So as we're seeing this today, think about your anxieties and ask God, how do you want to live on with me? How can I be a co-conspirator of goodness with you, Lord? The next line that we sing is, let the hope of God lift your head. The hope of God lift your head. So I have to confess something to you guys. Uh, last week, I had to speak at a conference, and I didn't know how many people were going to be at this conference. I just thought like 300 people in a room. Um, but then we find out in like the speaker's lunch that there's going to be 1,500 people in a room. It's sold out, and then they have this live streaming. So I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus. <laughs> and so I did not sleep that whole night. That whole night I was crying and I was so full of fear and I was so just I was so discouraged because I was like, I don't know, like some of my heroes are like literally sitting in the front row taking notes. I don't have anything new to offer them. And I was so full of um, yeah, discouragement and doubt. And so I called TC. And I said, I don't have a message. And he's like, what are you talking about? You don't have a message. And I was like, I don't have a message. Like, I've rewritten this thing three times. I have nothing to say to these people. And he's like, you have something in you. You have a message. And so he sat on the phone with me for an hour as I talked through my notes. And he helped me move things around. And as he started, as he, he was wrapping up, he started praying for me. He was like, Lord, let my wife get up there and have confidence. Let her not be discouraged. Protect her from fear. Protect her from doubt. Protect her. And I really took that in. And I said to myself, I'm going to lift my head. I'm going to step out there. And I'm going to be my full self. Because this is what God is asking me to do in this moment. Well, when we sing this line, we're asking God to lift our heads, to give us confidence, and help us step out. Because this is what God is asking us to do in this moment. That His hope it's so bright, it shines like a light in the darkness. In fact, that is what Desmond Tutu says. That hope is the ability to see light despite all the darkness. And so I think about this, this quote for us. I think about what does it mean for us to be people of hope, who don't allow discouragement to hold us back, who allow the Spirit of God to come in and give us the confidence to step out and do scary things. I imagine this room filled of people, 75 to 150 people just worshiping God and having all of their insecurities, having all their doubts, having their heads that feel so drooped down by shame lifted because we were brave enough to step out and be 
beacons in our day. And the last line that he's saying is let the love of God send us out. Let the love of God send us out. And this is the this is that pat answer that I don't want to give to people when they say, why do we worship together on Sunday morning? But it's the best answer I have, and it's love. Love is the reason why we gather here on Sundays. Love of God, love for each other, and even love for ourselves. We know that we need community, and so we show up for each other, because God first showed up for us. We say we belong to each other, because God said you belong here. We say we you are loved because for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And we say you matter in all of the giftings and all of the cultural background that you have and all the questions that you have, it matters. And so we take time for each other. You see, every person in this room is made in the image of God. And that means when God looks at you, he is filled with pride and joy and love. In the same way that when I look at my kids, I am filled pride and joy and love. And when I look at my kids, I'm excited for the things that they're going to do. The same way when God looks at us in the church community, he's excited for the things that we are going to do for each other and this community. When Jesus looks at us, he sees an expression of his body and God is delighted. And so when we think about owning our identity as ministers, when we think about actively living out priesthood of the believer, it's important for us to remember that we do it here in our local church out of a deep gratitude towards God, acknowledgement of his love, and a desire to love one another. And that's my prayer for you, that the love of God transforms those spaces where you feel broken and scared, that it de-escalates conflict in our church community, that it restores dignity, and that it builds your confidence. Because you are ministers of the good news that God loves us more than we can even imagine, so let that love of God send you out. So where are you, my friends? What line from the benediction do you need someone here to pray over you? What line of this benediction do you need to pray over yourself or you need to think about more? I want to encourage you that as we sing it together, that you offer that as an offering to God. That you let him meet some of those spaces you feel so deeply insecure. Where are you when it comes to being a minister right here in our church community? Do you need somebody to come underneath you? and to celebrate you and encourage you and say, yeah, you're giving that way. Go live it out. And that's what we're here for. And we want to celebrate you and cheer you on as loud and as exuberantly as you can. And so I would like to offer this time, um, before we do our benediction, I want to offer a benediction to you. So if you feel comfortable, will you stand your hands and I will offer a benediction. Jesus, as we come to your table together, as we acknowledge that the body and blood are expressions of your love for us, we receive it. And so may my friends receive your love. May my friends know that the peace of God guards their hearts. May my friends know that the love of God sends us out. May my friends feel your hope lifting their head. And may my friends have a unique picture of the dreams of God that live in us. Amen.